This CKNW podcast for AIM Medical Imaging, home of AIM Medical Imaging full body MRI scanning. A family history of medical issues is nothing to ignore. Book a preventative screening at aimmedicalimaging.com. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're broadcasting live across Canada on the Chorus Radio Network. Of course, you can also listen to us live and our podcasts at getconnectedmedia.com and at cknw.com. Got a pretty uh, cool show today, uh, Andy. Yeah, always. Later on, uh, we'll be uh, talking about how you can build a connected home, all the, uh, the gear that you need to get to have a future house. Yeah, and we'll also be talking about uh, step one of building a connected home, and that's to make sure that you have a, a really good Wi-Fi signal and strength and range across your entire property to make sure that all the gadgets that you bring into it are going to work just fine. So that's really the step one. So we'll, Mike and I will tell you how to build that, how to upgrade your router, and then we'll talk to the folks at Belkin to see what kind of uh, gadgets they have in the connected home space. Oh, that's some pretty cool stuff. Oh, we've seen it all at the, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, so I'm really interested to hear that interview it's tax season uh deadlines are coming up and of course uh when you are uh getting your taxes ready you always want to be concerned about your personal information we've seen so many security breaches uh, over the past uh, year with you know large companies losing their their customers uh information and now with the heartbleed bug uh, uh you know serious implications around that uh the cra the canadian revenue revenue association uh actually shut down their website uh, for a while because of that. That was a really gutsy move, a preemptive move, and something I commend them on doing to make sure that our data and our identities are being protected. On the line right now to uh, help us understand how we can actually protect our confidential data this tax season, we've got Darren Hamilton. He's a senior engineer over at uh, McAfee. Thanks again for joining us, Darren. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so much of our information in our lives now are, are literally digital, Darren. What are some of the things that uh, we need to do to protect ourselves uh, from fraud? Well, Mike, regardless of whether we're talking about tax emission or just general behavior online, there's some key things that uh, consumers need to be aware of when they're dealing with um, with the Internet. And you know, some of the key points are never giving out your personal information over the Internet or, for that matter, via phone or email, because those are to be considered unsecure methods of transferring that type of information. And you have to be very aware of who you're giving information to and why. Uh, I think also maintaining uh, secure passwords and, and giving keeping your access codes private is really key in terms of you know being safe online and if you're using things like public computers to do online operations like tax submission, you know, be very aware that you are uh, in an insecure environment and, and making sure that you are uh, keeping your access codes, your, your passwords, and all of your personal information very private. I, I think it's important with, uh, you know, logins and passwords, and, you know, I think I'm probably guilty of this as well. Uh, we don't want to remember you know, 10 different passwords for all the different sites we go to. So we always uh, tend to, you know, stick to one or two that we use for everything. And that's not really the safest thing to do. Yeah, it's certainly not the safest thing to do. And, and you also have to be aware that um, passwords need to be changed on a relatively frequent basis. You do, do uh, in light of things like the Heartbleed bug, uh, we have seen that uh, your passwords are, are something that have to be cycled on a relatively regular basis in order for you to uh, make sure that you're, you maintain safety online. And uh, one of the things that you can do in order to um, you know, deal with the, 
the problem of having multiple passwords is use something like a, a password management software package, something that's available for your computer or for your smartphone that can keep track of the passwords for you, and also making sure that your passwords are, that are that you're using online are not easy to guess, not easy for the hackers to guess, but they're easy enough for you to remember. So don't use things like uh, simple things like password123 or your name or date of birth. Use things that um, you commonly can remember. So, for example, if your six-year-old is a fan of Barney the Dinosaur, use a word or a phrase like purple dinosaur and uh, a string of numbers that you can easily remember. And that way you can you know, keep track of the, the passwords a little bit more, um, more easily, but also have some security online. You know, as far you know, a, a lot of people are uh, you know talking about tax now as well. Uh, a lot of people are submitting their tax returns digitally. What what should they be watching out for when they're doing this? Well, in fact, the CRA reports that last year seventy five percent of tax submissions were done online, and they're expecting that to increase this year. And um, McAfee Digital Assets survey survey for twenty thirteen actually found that seventy seven percent of Canadians are concerned about identity theft when they're submitting taxes or, or other doing other financial transactions online, yet 24% of Canadians are unfamiliar with cyber risks. So um, in light of the, those facts, as well as the, uh, that uh, Canadians lost over a million, $11 million in fraud-related activities online last year, so it's a good time to be a cyber criminal. So you, you need to make sure that you're aware of some of the tactics that they're using in order to obtain your personal information and gain access to your wealth. And one of the key uh, mechanisms that you're using is they're using is something called phishing, which is sending emails that are specially crafted to look like they're coming from legitimate sources, such as the banks you do business with. But those emails are designed to uh, lure you into giving up your personal information, perhaps by leading you to a website that again, looks like your bank's website, but is designed to steal your credentials, steal your passwords, and then give the hackers access to your personal information and your accounts. So keeping an eye out for those types of emails and uh, keeping in mind that they are very well crafted in most cases, and they're very convincing, uh, be aware that if you're going to be giving any personal information online, do so on your own terms. Do so by going to your bank's website, going to the institution's website itself, not relying on uh, any email that you get in your inbox. Darren, it's funny you mentioned that. That actually happened to me the other day. I got an email from Canada Post saying that a shipment that had arrived and I needed to click on this link to uh, enter some information to get that package. And what I did is... It, it looked real, like it had the same logo and everything, but I was a little concerned because I wasn't expecting anything from Canada Post. And what I did is I, I hovered my mouse over the link, and it actually showed what that link was going to be directed to. And I, I could realize right then and there that it wasn't going to Canada Post. It was going to some other site. So I knew right away it was uh, one of those fraudulent phishing emails. Well, I, That's one of the key tricks that you can use, one of the key things to keep in mind. These, um, these emails, they might have a link that looks like your bank's website in the, in the email message body itself, but when you hover over that, uh, that website address or if you even click on that link, you'll notice that the address that you're taking to is not what you would expect. And that's one of the key things to look for and, and uh, to keep yourself safe. What kind of software services do you have to uh, help uh, people protect themselves? 
Well, I would recommend our antivirus products, as, as I obviously would, that can keep you uh, safe if you do download malware by accident or, or going to a, a website that, that is infected, uh, protecting your machine that way. But also using software like MacV Site Advisor, which is a, a, a web browser plugin which can keep you safer in a proactive sense. It can warn you that if you're going to a website that's been compromised, or if you're doing an internet search on uh, one of the popular search engines like Google or Yahoo, it will flag those those search entries or it will flag the website that you're trying to go to and tell you if it's been known uh, to be used by the hackers for malicious purposes. And I think that that can give you um, uh, a comfort level so that you're not going to get yourself into trouble. Where can people find out more information? MacV.com. And if you're interested in some of the late-breaking news on the Heartbleed bug, maxfee.com forward slash Heartbleed is a great source of uh, information. There's a tool there where you can check all, your, all the websites that you go to and see if they've been infected by this particular bug. This is Darren Hamilton, Senior Engineer over at uh, McAfee. Thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Thanks very much. That was a uh, great uh, insight on how to keep your personal information protected. When we come back, we'll talk about building the connected home of your dreams. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've got a fun show for you this morning. We'll uh, be talking a little while with the folks over at Belkin about uh, some really cool uh, Wemo connected home devices that uh, will work quite nicely into a connected home, which we're going to talk about now. How to get your uh, your house, your your apartment set up so that you can access all these great devices and and lead a fun future life. Yes, a connected life. A connected life, so to speak. So many devices now uh, that do have uh, you know network or Wi-Fi connectivity. Uh, we're seeing things like washing machines and, and weigh scales and uh, even refrigerators that uh, have this uh, built in. But, you know, we do get a lot of uh, questions and feedback from our listeners that, uh, you know, they're trying to set up better connections in, in their home for the Internet and their networked computers, laptops, and these devices. But they've got a lot of uh, dead spots, you know, especially with people using a lot of Wi-Fi. So we wanted to talk about some of the things uh, that you should do to uh, get your house ready for that. Yeah, it all kind of started um, when we were putting our TV show together for this year, Mike. Uh, we wanted to do a, a connected home segment. And we were in these meetings, and I, and I was telling, and I was fighting for this. I'm like, guys, before we even talk about adding more gadgets to, to home networks, I think we should really talk about assessing your home network first to make sure that you can handle putting more and more connected gadgets in, on your network. And like you said, we get so many calls, probably about every week, is someone going, I have a dead spot in my house. It's like my garage. I can't get any Wi-Fi in my garage. And then we start asking, you know, what kind of router do you have? Or how long have you had it? And typically, a lot of people have the same router they had three or four years ago. Or longer. Or longer. And yeah. think of how much technology has changed in the last three or four years. So we wanted to start off by talking about upgrading your router. Last week, we put up a contest for a new Linksys AC, uh, EA6300 router that runs on the AC standard. And I think for a lot of people, that's really what you should do. If you've had a router that's a couple of years old, you need to get these new ACs. We did it at your house, Mike, and your Oh, it changed my life. It absolutely changed your life. Yeah, so you know, a lot of people too, they, they have uh, a Wi-Fi router 
uh, that came from their service provider as yes. well, whether that's Rogers, Bell, Telus, or Shaw. And you know what? You know, for the most part, they're pretty good. But uh, again, they're typically built right into the modem itself that you get. Uh, what you can do, though, and what we're recommending is uh, actually getting a new separate router. The the modem part will still work, but you can uh, deactivate uh, you know the Wi-Fi router part of it. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that that of course the your internet service provider is going to give you these modem router hybrids. But what you can do is just make it function as a modem, and then get a separate independent router to extend and broadcast that Wi-Fi signal. Because a lot of, Mike, you know, what we see a lot of is people going, oh, I want to get a range extender. My, my Wi-Fi is not good. But then if you look at the, what they're using, they're using old routers. So you might as well invest in, in your router and then add on other accessories yes. from, from there. So the, the new standard for routers as far as that Wi-Fi signal, you know, to get the wireless internet in your home or, or business or wherever, is called AC. In the past, it was wireless uh, B... G, uh, N has been very popular for the past couple of years. Uh, the new standard is AC, and all the new devices, laptops and, and computers and, and stuff, are coming out with that standard. And it provides a much uh, longer range as yep. far as being able to pick up signals and a lot more throughput as well, a lot more stable. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, Mike, but a, a couple of years ago, we saw routers change in terms of the design. Typically, before a couple of years ago, you would see big antennas on them. And yeah. then all of a sudden, a lot of, like, I know Linksys in their EA series, they decided that they're going to make these really beautiful-looking routers that doesn't even look like a router. You would be happy to show, you know, in your living room. But now, and, I, and we did this with the router that we put in your house and the router that I'm going to put in my house, the Linksys, this new Linksys one, it's almost like antennas are back, that they started to realize that... Well, they were building the antennas right into the, the unit itself, uh, but I think you need to go with the ones that have the external antennas yes. to really get that, that range. Because the one that you were using before didn't have external no, antennas. You no, know, and it just... I had dead spots all over my house. Like, unfortunately, and this is probably the case with many people, uh, you know, the, the internet comes in in one corner of your home. Yes. So all the, the, the bedrooms on the other side of the house just weren't quite making it, right? So I was, you know, looking at getting range extenders and everything. But, uh, you know, I solved most of my problems by just getting a better router, an AC router. Yes. And uh, what we did for, and you know, I urge everyone to watch this segment when uh, it broadcasts on television. But what we did, Mike, was before we switched your router, we used an app that's available on Android called Wi-Fi Analyzer. Oh, that thing's amazing. Yeah. And basically what this does is it analyzes your Wi-Fi strength in different parts of your room. So you could walk with a smartphone or tablet into your kitchen, your living room, your bedroom, and see how your Wi-Fi signal strength is. And the farther you go, of course, you know, the signal goes down. And what we did is we recorded all those, you know, signal strengths, switched the router, ran the app again, and then we could have actual physical data to show that, yes, you do have a better Wi-Fi signal. So if you are on Android and you're looking to get a new router, I urge everybody to try this app. It's called Wi-Fi Analyzer, and it's free. Uh, to, to basically, you want to use this before you set up. Another good thing it did, Mike, that, that you were pretty impressed with was it shows you what all your other neighbors' Wi-Fi channels are on because typically it goes from 0 to 12. You have to pick a channel. Most routers will pick on default 6, channel 6. And what I noticed when we went to your house, everybody was on channel 6. Yeah. I, I don't – you think that it would pick a better channel because you <laughs> do the automatics setting. But no. Like it picked channel 6 on mine. Yeah. 
And then all my neighbors, yeah. miraculously, their routers on automatic setting went to channel six as well. So you don't want to be on the same channel or within even one channel, like a channel seven or five either in that case. You want at least two channel separation to get the best signal. Exactly. So if you are setting it, don't go to channel six because most routers automatically are going to do this. What they should do is have a random channel generator. So it kind of randoms, you know, you get pick a channel in that's randomly rather than just doing a default one on, on six. Now, another thing about these AC Wi-Fi routers that we've been uh, talking about is this new beamform technology, Mike. What did you think about that? Uh, very cool. So what happens here, instead of the router just sending out that internet signal all over the house, uh, kind of like shotgun style, uh, it actually detects the devices. So if it detects that I have, uh, you know, my laptop in the living room uh, and it's trying to get access to the internet, it'll beam the signal directly there. Yeah. And so you get a much stronger signal, uh, a lot better throughput. So, uh, you know, again, that's uh, technology you want to make sure that you're getting in your router. And when we're talking about these AC routers, that's the standard we're talking about. Uh, you'll want to, you know, look for the different manufacturers. There's Netgear, there's, you know, Belkin, there's Linksys, there's D-Link, uh, you know, a number of other manufacturers out there as well. So you just want to make sure you get one that has that AC standard, also looking for one with antennas. Got to keep in mind that uh, the other devices uh, on your network to get that full range, they have to have that AC standard as well. If they don't, that's fine. It's backwards compatible, but it, you don't get as much range. But if you do want to get that AC uh, download speeds and, and network speeds, what you can do is get these little USB adapters. So say you have an older laptop that's a couple years old that's on the uh, N network. You can get this little adapter, and basically it's a Wi-Fi network card that's going to allow you to have that AC standard. So it's a great solution. A lot of people are saying, oh, I'm going to wait until the new devices come out. But you can buy one of these things for about $60 and then you know, have those speeds, those download speeds uh, that the router can, can uh, offer. Quickly, uh, once you've got that router in, if you do need extensions, you know we recommend the Powerline adapters. Uh, these are little uh, devices. You, they come in packs of two, and then you can buy additional ones. But uh, you basically plug them into the wall uh, where your router is, run a cable from your router into this little pack, and then take the other one to the room uh, that you're having a problem with, stick it in a power outlet there, and run a cable from that into your Xbox or your computer or what have you. We are going to have to take a break now. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the devices that you'll want to have in your connected home with the folks at Belkin. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Talked a little bit about how to get your home ready to be connected. Now we want to talk about some of the cool devices uh, that you can uh, get hooked up with. On the line right now, we've uh, got our good friend Kyle Roche. He's uh, over at Belkin. They make lots of great devices under their uh, Wemo uh, brand. Thanks for jo joining us today, Kyle. Hey, I appreciate it. So let's talk about Wemo. That's uh, a brand that you guys have created for uh, connected devices. Yes, that is our home automation brand. Um, it's one of the brands under the Belkin family. Um, and its main approach is, is simply... Uh, providing home automation to the masses. So, you know, getting getting your home connected and, and linking and making those devices you use every day easier to use and uh, allow you to be able, be able to control them remotely. So, so you know, in, in the past when we talked about home automation, uh, I think a lot of people got the impression that, uh, you know, cool that you'd be able to control different devices, uh, lights and things in your home, but uh, expensive and difficult to install and maintain. But yep. that's yep. changed dramatically now. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's funny. I like to use the Jetsons analogy. Uh, a lot of people look at it as something that they've been hoping uh, to see for, for quite a while, but exactly like you said, it's kind of been out of reach or, or uh, a little too expensive. Um, and that's kind of where Belkin has come in and kind of, you know, brought that down to the masses and, you know, created a user experience that is easy to understand, um, is, is not intimidating like some of the custom uh, models might be if you have a professional installer come in and set that up for you. Kyle, you know, the last couple of years, Mike and I, we go to the Consumer Electronics Show, and it seems that Belkin came out of nowhere with a huge line of these Wemo products. And then just before that, I think it was about a year or two ago, you guys had acquired Linksys from Cisco to basically have the, the router infrastructure. Was that a strategic plan because you knew you were going to roll out all these different type of devices? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Belkin's been in the networking space for a while. We have our own Belkin-branded networking products, but, um, you know, actually, it was about a year ago, uh, the Linksys acquisition happened, um, and obviously, Linksys being, you know, one of the top players in the in the wireless networking space, it gave us that, you know, I guess you could just say the, the value or proposition to be able to really just present ourselves as a leader. Um, and, and because a lot of these products are using Wi-Fi connectivity um, to be able to work properly, it, it really gives us kind of a legs up and an understanding uh, to make sure that these products are functioning properly and, and to make it as easy to use as possible. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the devices. Uh, you've got um, devices that can actually control uh, lights in your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We have, uh, that's one of the main use cases for our devices. Um, we have a few that are more open-ended. So what I mean by that is you could simply plug anything into them. So, um, and then we've got two products that are specifically tailored towards lighting. So we've got a light switch, uh, which is actually the uh, switch that you would actually hardwire into your wall itself. Uh, you can connect uh, to your phone and be able to control any lights or any devices in the home that would be connected to that, as well as we have uh, light bulbs coming out in, in the summertime where you'll be able to actually just you know screw the light bulb directly into the socket and be able to control it right from there. So we've got a few use cases for lighting. Uh, so let me get this straight here. So you're actually coming out with light bulbs that have Wi-Fi connectivity in them? How does that work? Um, so what it will be able to do is actually there's a, there's a small little hub looks about the size of a uh, typical phone charger. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to connect that into the wall, and that will communicate with a with a Zigbee chip, a small chip that's in the bulb itself, um, and will be able to link it to your Wemo application. So you'll be able to actually uh, use all of the bulbs independently. You can group them together. You can dim the bulb. Um, there's a lot of different use cases that you'll be able to do all through the app. And, and that, like you're saying, is controlled through like a, an iPhone app? Yes. All of the Wemo products operate on an Apple or, or, or Android-based app. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. We went from smartphones to smart bulbs. <laughs> there we Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. that adding a lot Gotta of expense to the bulb itself to have that chip in it? What, sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, is that, is that going to add a lot of expense to the, the bulb, the light bulb, having a, a chip in it? 
Um, well, I mean, there's been a significant push recently. Um, I, I'm sure you've probably noticed a lot of people moving to LED bulbs. Yeah. Um, and so your typical, you know, bulb of 10 years ago that people were buying, that that's going to be changing significantly, um, regardless of whether you control it with your phone or not. So uh, the, the cost of the bulb is slightly higher. Uh, one of the benefits, though, is our bulb does have a 23-year lifespan. So. I like to say that the bulb will last longer than, you know, your car, which or, is kind of funny. Or your phone. <laughs> or your phone. Yeah, or your phone. There you go. 23 years. That's uh, that's amazing. So uh, I, I know you also have uh, one of the devices that has, like, a motion detector in it as well. We do, yes. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that's pretty critical um, just from a use case perspective. Uh, we're pretty... We're pretty proud about some of the, the rules, we call them, that we've been able to build into our app. Um, in essence, what that allows you to do is, is link your products to the devices that are plugged into them. So uh, as example, you walk into your home and uh, you want your lights to turn on rather than having to pull out your phone and turn them on through the app. You can actually have the motion sensor sense that and turn them on for you automatically. Very cool. When we were down in Vegas in January, you were you're showing a line of uh, other connected devices, uh, uh, like a, I believe it was a, a slow cooker, yeah, and, a crockpot, a crockpot, yeah. and an air conditioner as well. Yep. Yeah. So um, one of the the verticals, I guess you could say, from a business perspective, um, we've expanded our product assortment. Um, where we're gaining some partners, and our first our first official partner was Jardin. Um, so they own about 120 br uh, appliance brands worldwide. Um, and so some of the products we're going to be launching in the next couple of months include, like you said, a, a slow cooker crock pot, um, a coffee maker, as well as some um, other products in the fall that include a humidifier, um, space heater, um, et cetera. So similar types of products like that. And you'll be able to control all the functionality of those through the app as well. What kind of knowledge do people have to have to actually install these devices and use them? Uh, so that's one of the things that obviously, you know, going back to our first point, you know, it's been it's been fairly confusing for for consumers up until this point. So what we've done is we have a, a real um, a large uh, quality assurance team here at Belkin headquarters, um, and we've really built a lot of of just software development into the app to make it as easy to use as possible. So I like to say it's plug and play. Um, the product itself, you plug it in, um, it emits a signal, you link it to your phone via the application, um, and then you're simply able to go in and kind of play around and, and, and add some rules if you have motion sensors, um, have it trigger when there's certain things that happen, whether it be sunrise or sunset. So there's all different types of things. But setting the product up, we're really trying to make that as simple as possible. Cal, where can people find out more information about uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about? Uh, your best uh, location to be able to find out would be Belkin.com. Uh, you will have a full suite of products, and it will list um, uh, product descriptions and use cases for those. So if you have any questions or anything like that, Belkin.com will cover all your needs. Thanks again for joining us, Cal. I appreciate it. Kyle Roche, he's regional product manager for Belkin, talking about uh, connected devices for your home. When we come back, we'll be talking about e-reading with the folks over at Good E-Reader and some cool apps that you can get for your different e-reading devices. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo with Andy Barrar. We've got uh, a cool guest on right now, Michael Kozlowski. He's the editor-in-chief of Good E-Reader. Michael, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Tell us about Good E-Reader. What is it all about? 
Well, we started as an online news publication around 2008, and we've basically been chronicling the e-reader, e-book, and just the digital publishing industry. I mean, it's really hard to go a week without hearing something about Amazon, something about the Kindle, something about uh, Kobo here in Canada. So we've been tracking a lot of these companies from their very first device all the way to current present date. And basically, you know... uh, Media is just getting way more digital now. People are reading newspapers on their iPad. They're reading magazines on their smartphone or even on their TV. So we kind of talk about all the movers and shakers in the industry to give uh, consumers uh, an accurate vision of what's happening. Well, it's kind of exciting. Uh, Obviously, a lot more people uh, getting their... Uh, I guess information digitally now with ebook readers and uh, and uh, and tablets as well, and uh, lots of changes there. You know, we've had the folks from uh, Press Reader on before with their great newspaper uh, app, and uh, Next Issue is uh, another big big one uh, now as well. Uh, do you expect we'll see more of those types of uh, uh, apps and services out there that op- offer kind of a, a subscription based service to to content? I think so. I- you know, these devices like these tablets are basically gateways to content. And I think we've only really seen the start of people shifting to digital media. I mean, it's all about the publishers. You know, if they're willing to put all their magazines or with newspapers, you know, if all these old vanguards of the industry would buy into digital, I think we'd be a little bit further than the way that we are now. But I I really dig press reader. I mean, what they're doing with newspapers is innovative and it's you know, basically giving people access to papers, uh, to expats or to people who are traveling. And, you know, I mean, this is just the start of amazing things to come. Some people are saying, you know, e-readers and tablets are, are going to be the death of, of, of books and, and, and publishers of newspapers and magazines. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've actually had extensive discussions with people in the newspaper industry, and they think that the... You know, the the national papers are pretty well doomed, and I think that it's the localized papers that put an emphasis on what's happening in your neighborhood, what's happening in your city, uh, stories of, of people in your community. I think that those papers will go on for a long time in physical form. Uh, as the New York Times is showing us, you know, they have four or five different apps, you know. Uh, they have a lot of online Stuff, and I think that they have a larger digital subscription base that's growing faster than their print ever did. So I kind of see this weird dichotomy where more people are selling more digital now than they ever had sold before, and it's just like this boosted profit margin. Um, you look at major publishers like Simon & Schuster and Hachette and HarperCollins and all those guys, they're all claiming 33% of their global revenue now comes from e-books, and, this, and it was only 21% a year ago. So this is staggering growth. Over a third of their revenue, you're saying? Yeah. That's, uh, that's crazy, but obviously um, their, their costs must be going down. They don't have to print physical books. Yeah, it makes the whole pipeline of content easier. You don't have to deal with unions. You don't have to deal with print. You don't have to deal with manufacturing. Um, ebooks and magazines and newspapers present their own challenges, but it's mainly just a bunch of geeky people at their computers that can, 
you know, iron things out with code and some with, with, with a little bit of elbow grease. But going digital, I mean, it just saves these companies such a copious amount of money that they could, you know, put that money back into advertising or to, like, hire more marketers and things like that to promote it. So, in the end, I think digital is just way more cost-effective, not only for the big players, but people who want to just, you know, write their own magazine. Maybe they're graduating from doing zines, you know, uh, with their friends in school, and they could, you know, self-publish magazines online through various services. So it's not just for big players, you know, the ease of use of digital, but it really kind of helps just, like, people with great ideas being able to actually make compelling content to make an app where millions of people could use uh, with little to no effort. Michael, we got about a minute left. Uh, I understand Good E-Reader has an app store now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've been running an Android and BlackBerry app store for about uh, two years now, and we have close to about about 50,000 apps right now. And, yeah, we're doing really well. I mean, we have an Android client that's optimized for smartphones and tablets, but you can also visit us uh, on the web at apps.goodyreader.com. I think the big hyping factor about our store is that we're, we're a curated store. A lot of stores like Google Play and Amazon, they're constantly hyping, you know, we have X number of apps. We have a million apps. We have 500,000 apps. But, I mean, how many flashlight apps do we really need? How many fart apps do we really need? So we kind of put an emphasis on, on really the quality stuff, and I think that that's what makes us stand out in the crowd and, incidentally, makes us the number one Android app store in Canada. Wow. Very cool. Where can people find out more information? You can visit goodyreader.com. That'll take you uh, to our new site. And if you want to visit our app store, it's apps.goodyreader.com. Michael Kozlowski, Editor-in-Chief of Good E-Reader. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks. When we come back from the break, it's App of the Week time with Christina Stoyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, and it's that time of the week, app of the week with uh, Christina Stoyanova. Thanks for coming on the show. What do we got this week? Uh, we have an app for iOS that is called CamMe. CamMe. Yes. And this one actually won Most Innovative App at the Mobile World Congress back in February. What does it do? Um, so you know how selfies are a big thing these days? Yes, taking pictures of yourself and then posting it on Facebook and Instagram. or Yeah, exactly. Sending lured ones to your loved one. Yeah, okay. That's just you, Mike. <laughs> I stopped doing that. So how is this going to make that better? Um, so you know how you have to hold your arm out and awkwardly you know, pose while holding the phone and you know, navigate the button and everything while you're taking a selfie? Yes. So Cammy is making it easier to do that because you can actually um, activate the camera on your phone using a gesture, and then it gives a three-second timer. So what you do is you put your phone somewhere um, across from you, and then you walk away. And when you gesture, you put up your fist, and then it starts timing for three seconds, and then it'll take the shot. That's actually kind of cool. Right? Yes. I can take more pictures of myself. And they'll be even better now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this was a mistake for me to talk about this one. <laughs> so this is available for iPhones and uh, iPads. And uh, and what would one have to pay for such? It is free. It's free, but 
why is it free? Are they capturing images of me and selling them? Yes, Mike. Everyone wants to buy images of you. <laughs> why, why wouldn't they? Uh, so it's called Cam, as in camera, Cam yeah. Me, and uh, available for free on the Apple App Store. Yeah, and it's got some other cool features, like there's a photo booth feature on there, so it'll sequentially take like three photos and then put them in like a camera roll. Yeah. Cool. And does that save it to your camera roll on your iPhone, or is it in the app itself? Um, it saves it to the app itself. Okay. But yeah. then I guess you can share it from there, essentially. Yeah, and there's the social sharing functionality as well, so you can post it on Facebook or so, so Twitter. can see them. Yeah, it's Andy's dream come true, really. Right? Photos of you all over his Facebook. He's my only friend on Facebook. Do you want to be my friend on Facebook? Um, I'll think about it. You'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Christina Stoyanova with the app of the week. Andy, the uh, the contest prize. Well, you know, Mike, we've uh, talked a lot about building a connected home. It only made sense for us to give some connected home products. This week, we're going to be giving away some Belkin Wemo, basically a Belkin Wemo gift pack. You're going to get the inside switch, the motion sensor switch as well. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com to enter. Now you'll be able to basically turn your coffee machine off from your phone while you lay in bed. This is uh, probably something a lot of people would... Thank would, God. Yes. It's, uh, it's probably one of the best use case scenarios I can think of for, for the connected <laughs> home. You know, you what, what's really cool was is not only can you remotely turn things on and off, you can actually make schedules inside the app. So if you know you're going to be home at a certain time, you can have your electric heater turn on at, you know, at any time. So to enter, go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com, and hit on the contest tab. And be sure to enter our Linksys prize pack as well. That's also on our contest page. That's all the time we have left for Get Connected this week. This is Mike and Andy logging off. We'll see you again next time.